Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. Bethlehem, a small town within the ancient land of Israel, and within which were born two of the most famous biblical characters in history, King David and a man you may be familiar with, Jesus. But this story isn't about Jesus. It's about David, who was born to his father, Jesse, and his wife, who is unnamed in the Bible or anywhere else in history. How rude! The date of David's birth, with a very strong grain of approximation taken here, was around 1040 BCE. And his birth, like Jesus' birth, marked a turning point in the Bible, as this unassuming shepherd boy would eventually become one of the most prominent figures in the history of Israel, and more importantly for us this Christmas season, a key link in the family tree leading to Jesus himself. David's early years were very chill. We covered this a bit in the David and Goliath episode, but David lived life simply as a shepherd. As the youngest of at least seven brothers, we don't know if there were more than seven, but we know there were at least seven, he was forced to do the more menial of tasks for his family. And what this really meant was spending his days tending to his father's flock of sheep, learning the art of shepherding, and developing an intimate connection with the natural world and his lyre. No, that was not a play on anything else. <laughs> but again, we know it wasn't all chill, um, because amidst the rustic beauty of Bethlehem, strong emphasis on rustic, I'm not going to go into this again, but Bethlehem, if you visit today, is not cute, but... Since we do know that Bethlehem maybe had been more beautiful back in the day, but amidst the rustic beauty of Bethlehem, David was attacked. He had to defend his sheep from both bears and lions, giving him some really good, I guess, warrior cred in terms of Bible history. But again, it wasn't all just chilling. But for the most part, we can assume that his days were relaxing, especially since he was able to perfect his mad liar skills, which the Bible makes a particular point of emphasizing, and which will come in handy in the next part of David's early story. And side note, if you don't know what a liar here is, uh, it's spelled L-Y-E-R-E, so L-Y-R-E, it's a stringed instrument. Um, you can think of it look, looking like a U-shape. Um, with strings that run parallel back and forth to the soundboard. Literally, just picture a fancy letter U with strings, or picture like anything that they would play on Mount Olympus, like strumming. Um, and it sounds like this. say that as I was looking up liar music, um, I found myself so relaxed. Um, and it really makes me want to like look up more of those because it was beautiful. But um, as we said, these liar skills of David, which you just heard, I mean, that wasn't David playing, that would be incredible. But you just heard some liar skills. Um, they're going to come in handy because happening at the exact same time in kind of the broader political landscape of Israel. So if we zoom out of David and zoom into more of the government, 
there was most definitely a need for a new leader in Israel. Old AF, King Saul, do you remember King Saul? We've talked about him quite a bit, actually, uh, was chosen by the people and by God himself originally. But King Saul had fallen out of favor with God due to a strong case of disobedience. And if there's anything that we know the Old Testament God does not like, it is disobedience. Um, Again, King Saul should be familiar with us, given that he was central in both the Witch of Endor episode and he was in the David and Goliath episode. But digression. But what did Saul do, uh, you may ask, to anger God so much that he said, nope, you are no longer fit to be king? Well, multiple things. The first one being that he PO'd God because of his impatience to begin a war against the Philistines always, which caused Saul to perform a sacrifice to God before his prophet Samuel arrived. And I guess this was a giant no-no in Israel. Um, especially to God, since only priests and prophets were meant to perform sacrifices. And Saul doing this was just not good. And again, for the millionth time, I feel like there are bigger fish to fry, but the God of the Old Testament is constantly wild. Anyway, back to David and his liar skills. In 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23, it is mentioned that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, which doesn't sound great. So Spirit of the Lord left, which left an opening inside of King Saul in which an evil moved in and troubled Saul. Saul's servants then suggested that they should find someone who could relax Saul and to calm his nerves and to calm this evil spirit. And they were like, oh, I wonder if there's anyone who can play the liar who could we could bring to comfort the king. And guess who they knew played the liar played it skillfully, and who could comfort this king? Yes, David. David could comfort the king. And one of the servants actually described David as skillful in playing, a man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. All things that we know Saul needed at the time. So we have young David, again, pre-David and Goliath, pre-all of that, coming to King Saul's court and playing the liar for King Saul to appease him. So arrives David, armed with his lyre and musical skills, into Saul's court. And then whenever Saul, King Saul, was troubled by the evil spirit within him, David would play that beautiful lyre for him, soothing him and keeping this calm effect on Saul, alleviating his distress and bringing him relief. I'm not sure how long he did this um, for King Saul, but it's an interesting little morsel of knowledge since, as we know, David, the lyre-playing shepherd of Bethlehem, would later overthrow King Saul, the same king to which he's sitting there soothing him. But continuing our story where we're at. So it was in this context of Saul's increasing age, David is growing kind of in valor, in his lyre skills, and as a man of God, and also God's dislike of Saul, that Samuel finally receives instructions from Yahweh God to anoint a new king of Israel who would arise from the house of Jesse. And guess who is the next to be king? Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Yes, King David. Well, I guess David at the time. He was anointed as the next king. So, 
Again, how this happened? Samuel pranced himself to Bethlehem, and after arriving in Bethlehem and examining all of Jesse's sons, who the Bible tells us were all tall, strong, and great to look at, I'm just saying, the Lord revealed to him that the chosen one was the shepherd boy, David. And again, I'm not sure that Samuel would have known David. I assume Samuel was around when David was playing his lyre at the court, Um so you think he would know him? But I don't know. Maybe Saul had better Saul. I mean, Samuel had better things to do at the time and was elsewhere in Israel. But regardless, David was chosen to be the new king of Israel. And in a solemn ceremony, Samuel anointed David with oil, setting the stage for his future role as king. But there was just one person standing in the way, and that was King Saul. Um uh, And again, there were a few other moments that needed to happen along the way for David. And one pretty giant moment after his anointing that we all know about, if you've been listening to this pod for a bit, was his fight with the giant Goliath. David's journey from shepherd to king was catalyzed. Truly, he became so famous uh, by a fateful confrontation with this Philistine giant Goliath. And David was still pretty young when he volunteered to face Goliath. Remember, we called him a youth in that episode. But he fought him and he defeated him. He cut off his head uh, with only a sling and some stones. I hope he cut off his head with more than that. He pretty had a sword at that point. But as we know, um, in this in this instant and in this fight, his unyielding faith in God and his precise aim led to a decisive victory that resonated throughout the land and added an extra head to the pyre of Israel's triumph. This truly catalyzed, or I guess catapulted David in front of the nation of Israel. It made him an unlikely hero, and made him well-known to everyone in Israel, including Saul, which, again, is not super great for David because of King Saul and his evil and erratic affliction. And because of this, as David started to grow in prominence, Saul started becoming more and more envious. He also did not know, Saul, he being Saul, did not know of David's anointing. Because if he did, I'm sure then things would have gotten much worse. But as it stands, they're not great. Because as David's, as word of David's exploits spread throughout Israel, his relationship with King Saul underwent a huge shift. Initially, we know that David's liar talents endeared him to Saul. He was soothed by David. However, with David's newfound and famous feats growing in popularity, Saul's jealousy and his insecurity turned their relationship into one marked by tension and danger. And in one particular instance, David was warned by Saul's son that Saul was about to kill David within the court and yeet him out of existence, and David had to flee Saul's court for the final time and goes into hiding in the hills in and around Judea, which again is northern Israel. And pause here. I said David was warned by Saul's son, Jonathan. The Bible doesn't explicitly state this, and it's really hotly debated, but I think there's great evidence for it. There's a belief that Jonathan and David may have been entwined romantically, if you get my drift. Again, it's not stated in the Bible explicitly they were together, but 
y'all, the text literally says that Jonathan loved David, and I'm quoting from the Bible here, it describes David's love for Jonathan as one loving his own soul. That would literally be his soulmate. And sure, it could be brotherly love. That's the big defense, or I guess, argument against this theory. But they were soulmates. I don't know. It sounds pretty romantic to me, but you can debate away. Anyway, Jonathan saved David from certain death in Saul's court. And fleeing from Saul's wrath, David found refuge in the wilderness where he gathered a band of loyal followers. So we're going to take a pause here because we need to go over what we've learned so far. David was a shepherd boy living in Bethlehem. He was the son of Jesse. He was well-known in the area for his liar skills initially, and King Saul, after committing lots of heinous acts, had angered God and an evil spirit moved in. Saul needed someone to soothe him. He hired David to play the liar in his court. David played the liar, but also in this process defeated Goliath, where he became famous. He was also, while in the court of Saul, anointed as the next king of Israel. All of this kind of culminated in Saul hating David and wanting his death, and David being warned by Jonathan, his lover, fleeing Saul's court. I know it's a lot. The Bible is not really as linear as I just made that, and I don't even know if I made it that linear, but I hope that helps. So... David found refuge in the wilderness, and he gathered a bunch of loyal followers, very Robin Hood-esque of him. And during this period of his life, which has been pretty dramatic thus far, if I have to say, David's character and faith were further tested because in the caves and canyons of of the wilderness, and especially in a fabulous cave called the Cave of Abdullam, he composed many of the Psalms, the Book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, of which he's famous for. Again, the Book of Psalms is in the Bible. These are written by David. Also, him hiding in a cave and in the process of hiding, composing music, singing, and I'm sure playing his lyre doesn't help the case that David was as straight as a string. But <laughs> I digress. Gay! So in these caves, David composed many of his famous psalms, such as the super famous Psalm 23. You probably know this one, even if you're not religious. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know that one. And he composed many, many more. So many things happened in these caves beyond him composing psalms that I'm not going to go into each and every one of them, but I will go into one, which is probably the most memorable and important to our story. And it's the one that highlights David David's commitment to mercy over his commitment to vengeance. So outside of the angst happening between Saul and David, Saul is still king at this point and has to deal with, you know, the normal stuff that crops up time to time as king. And in one of these instances, amidst the chaos of war, Saul seeks refuge from this war in a cave which turns out to be the same cave in which his enemy, I guess, David, was hiding. That's right. He tries to flee war. He goes into this cave to hide, and guess who's in the cave there hiding as well? David. Saul didn't know this, and he actually lays down to rest. He takes a little nap in this cave. And here, David had the opportunity to take Saul's life, but... 
What he does instead is to cut off a piece of Saul's robe as a symbolic gesture of peace. And his words actually reflect this in the Bible. He says, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. So he's afraid to do this. He recognizes that Saul was anointed at one time by God. He doesn't want to kill him, but he will take a piece of his fabric, which he then sends to Saul after Saul leaves the cave. He sends this piece of fabric to King Saul, showing his goodwill and offering a peace offering. Saul, in a moment of clarity, I guess, recognizes this gesture and tries to reconcile with David. Unfortunately, it's a little too late because this moment of kindness would be one of Saul's last since in the following chapters of 1 Samuel, he and David's soulmate Jonathan, both Saul and Jonathan, father and son, are killed in battle against the Philistines. Always. David then, as we know, ascends to the throne of Israel and his his reign really marked a new chapter in the nation's history. They didn't have the unliked Saul anymore. They had the well-liked King David. And his reign was characterized by great things like military victories, uh, the establishment of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, that was David, and a deepening connection between the people of Israel and Jehovah God. And David's passion and really his religious ferocity was seen in his desire to build a temple, which then set the stage for the construction of a great temple, Solomon's temple, his son Solomon, in Jerusalem. Again, probably one of the most famous temples in Israel's history. However, not all things were great for David. Seems like the the kingship of Israel is kind of cursed, really, um, because Again, it was not all marked by triumph. In fact, David had some very juicy personal issues, uh, which included an affair with Bathsheba, a lady whom he saw bathing on the roof of her home when he was on a little balcony, um, which, just pause really here, bathing on a roof sounds really nice, especially in Israel. Um, So David saw Bathsheba bathing and coveted her and had to have her. Bad news was, she had a husband at the time, Uriah the Hittite. So what did David do? He had Uriah sent to the front lines of a war, they're always at war, knowing full well that the front lines would be killed. And the result is there. Uriah was killed, Bathsheba was free to marry, and she married David. This, of course, angered God. He said, how dare you? Um, And God punished David, as usual. Um, and this led to a series of tragic events, including ev- tragic events, including uh, a poignant parable by the prophet of Israel at the time, a dude named Nathan, and then leading to the death of David and Bathsheba's firstborn child. This was his moment of repentance, and David finally repented and wrote it all down. And being the liar playing musical theater fan that I'm sure he was. He probably also belted out a tune. In fact, we know he did, because in Psalm 51, another psalm, he writes down and sings his sadness. I can also see him singing something from, I don't know, last five years or something. I'm That's just me. And then in the later years of David's reign, after these unfortunate circumstances, he even faced more internal strife with his own family. The dude truly just couldn't catch a break. 
Um, a rebellion in Israel was actually led by his son Absalom, uh, which culminated in Absalom dying um, quite fabulously, actually. His hair was caught in a tree, trapping him and allowing him to be killed. Um, but again, this wasn't great for David. His son was killed. He had to kill his son. Um and David, now aged and weary, fled Jerusalem to avoid further bloodshed. The war was ended. David finally has a moment to reflect on his life. And as he approached that end of his life, he thought about his challenges. He thought about his victories he had experienced. And we have the last words of David recorded in 2 Samuel 23, where there's this beautiful, oh, just hit the mic, poetic reflection on his journey, expressing his gratitude and a longing for a righteous ruler ruler to follow him. And then he dies. But why? Why and how is David connected to Christmas? I told you his life story. Well, let's think about David in the context of Christmas. So we are going to fast forward through the corridors of time where gross Bethlehem, the city of David, gains some new significance. Why? Because out of it was born Jesus, the supposed Messiah. And actually, the prophet Micah, we're going zooming back in time, the prophet Micah speaking centuries after David, but centuries before Jesus, foretold that the Messiah, which I'm throwing that out there, if you're not of the religious variety, you can think of the Messiah as the dude who would supposedly rescue all of mankind. This was... Jesus, supposedly Jesus. Um, So we have Micah speaking centuries before Jesus, saying that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you, thou, but thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel." whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. That was a mouthful. He said, Bethlehem, you're going to produce the Messiah. Bethlehem being David's birthplace. And not only does David's birthplace factor into the Christmas story, his very line, his descendancy, the little people that follow him, is the very line from which the Messiah would come. The book of Matthew, also called the Gospel of Matthew, traced the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to David. Even actually further, David, it traced it from Jesus's great-great-great-grandmother Rahab. Remember Rahab the harlot? Rahab was actually the mother of Jesse, who then became the father of David. And trickling all the way down, David was the great-great ancestor of Joseph. And then, of course, Joseph took to wife Mary, who then, together, even though it wasn't Joseph and Mary, it was Mary immaculately concepted, they had Jesus. How cool that we can kind of see out of the city of David, Bethlehem, and out of the loins of David, we have Jesus, the Messiah, the Christmas miracle. So, not only is David a founding member of the birthplace of Christmas, but his loins quite literally brought about the savior of the world. Those questionably straight loins, but still his loins nonetheless. And that's the life of our Christmas king, David. 
And in the grand tapestry of biblical history, David's life serves as this this beautiful bridge between the Old and the New Testaments. His reign not only set the stage for the Davidic dynasty, which was one of the most prominent in Jewish history, but his legacy also reverberates in the teachings of the prophets who foresaw that a descendant of David would, according to Christian religions, bring salvation to the world on this Christmas day. So as we begin this beautiful holiday season, I hope I hope you now have a better understanding of the significance of Bethlehem, how David kind of factors into this Christmas story, and where Jesus and how he can trace how Jesus can trace his roots back to David. Um and that is our bleep, David, the shepherd boy turned giant slayer and king who would in his birthplace and his lineage, foreshadow the New Testament religious icon born in Bethlehem out of the house and lineage of David, Jesus Christ. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please, please feel free to get in touch with me. Share your thoughts, your church stories, maybe something you want to hear, maybe something you want changed. Do it! Share it with me at badbleepsofthebible at gmail.com. You can also find Bad Bleeps of the Bible on Instagram, and for shortened versions of this podcast, check out our TikTok at Bad Bleeps of the Bible. Sources for today's story can be found in our show notes, and please continue to rate if you have not already, review the podcast, and subscribe to it if you haven't, and also share it. Catch you on Friday, where we have another installment of Bad Bleeps Uncut with Freddie. He'll be stopping by again. And also, watch out for, maybe in a good way, liar-playing yet historically important kings this Christmas season. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and bye!